0: Hey, this is Pastor Brian. I want to welcome you to the Reach Church podcast. We hope this message helps and encourages you wherever you are in life and brings you closer to Jesus. We hope you enjoy the message. Turn with me to Luke chapter two. We've been in Luke one for two weeks. Now we've switched another whole chapter. Can you all bear with us? Man, we're moving through the Bible fast. We're in chapter two of Luke. And I'm going to read just a few verses, and then we will get started. We've been talking about how the Bible, the stories of Christmas, and how they're applicable to our lives every day. And um, so this is what we're going to talk about today is another aspect of it. Luke chapter 2, verse 1. We're going to read 1 through 7. It says this, At the time the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Cornelius was governor of Syria, all returned to their own ancestral towns to register for the census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, for your divine direction. We thank you, God, for your intervention. We thank you, God, for the things that you're doing in our lives that we don't fully see, we don't maybe fully understand. And God, I thank you that you would allow us to see this story, to see the nature of a God who loves us, who's for us, who never leaves us or forsakes us. And so God, I thank you today, God, that as we recognize that you are the God that is in pursuit of us, God, that we would choose to live our lives for you, making you more famous today than you were yesterday. If you believe that, you could say amen. All right, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The title is called, Yes Still Requires Yes. Yes still requires yes. And I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of signing a mortgage on a home or a car or a doctor's office visit and you go to fill out the papers. Are those not forever long? It's like, yes, I will this. Yes, I will this. Yes, I will this. Yes, I will this. It's like, you just do one yes. You think it's over? No, 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 there's 15 more pages, right? It's like, yes, and yes, and yes, and yes. And I feel like, I I feel like, that's kind of how it is sometimes serving Jesus. It's like, hey, will you do this? Yes. And he's like, oh, good. Now, since you said yes, it's like, oh, yes. It's like, you know, those people that call you because you always say yes. And they always call you when they're moving. They always call you when they've got something need done. They go, because you are faithful and you say yes. How many of you know you can count on you? And here is the story of, you know, God is asking Joseph and Mary, he's saying, hey, will you carry the Messiah? And Mary, over the course of a few conversations, she says, consider me your servant. And she says yes to God. And then Joseph, you know, hey, will you still be with this woman even though she's going to be carrying the Messiah and your reputation is going to be tarnished and you're going to be looked at as very different? Are you still willing to do this? And his answer is yes. And you would have thought like, I mean, come on, that is a big task and you say yes, you would think that you get the pass for the rest of the year. I mean, maybe the rest of your life. Let's be honest. If you're carrying the Messiah, and you're taking the responsibility on, you would think that by saying yes, there's going to have to be no other responsibilities other than just to raise the child. But God is a little different than us. Because now not only is he asking him to, hey, carry this Messiah now he's asking him to, hey, I need you to travel. Well, now the census is happening, but it's, it, God is intervening in this situation. He's doing something, and he's asking him, hey, I need you to go because you're a descendant of David. I need you to go from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen a woman who's obviously pregnant have to travel. I mean, today we travel in cars, and it's hard. Imagine a pregnant woman of nine months along and having to travel from Nazareth to Bethlehem on donkeys and sandals. I mean, that yes is a big difference than, hey, would you go here to here in a car? Like, I think we have got it a lot easier to say yes to Jesus nowadays than what it was then. The requirement, the expectation, it was way easier then than it is now. And Here we see that they're now, they're having to travel from one city to the next city with a pregnant woman who the Bible says very clearly is obviously pregnant. That means she's about to have the baby. And I don't know if, I mean, I don't know if I'm Mary. I'm like, Joseph, have you seen these cankles? (laughs) I mean, these things are swollen three times their size. Y'all know the pregnant women in the room. You know. And you're asking me, to travel from one city to the next city. I said yes to the Messiah. That's all. I'm done. And how many of y'all know that that is how we can get sometimes with God? God, I said yes to this. I'm not saying yes to that. And we can so easily assume that because we said yes to God, we get a pass for the next thing in our lives. Well, God, I said yes, so you're just gonna take care of me and everything's gonna be easy and it's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be comfortable and I won't have to go through anything. And here we begin to see how God challenges that theology, God challenges that mindset that when you say yes to God, that doesn't mean that's it, that yes still requires yes. And here's the reality is that God is really still requiring you, you may have said yes a year ago, a month ago, a day ago, but that doesn't give you the pass to not have to say yes again. Sometimes we get to the place where we feel like, well, God, do you understand what I've done for you? If we're honest, that's how we feel. I mean, Mary is getting stretch marks. I mean, she's doing a lot. And yet God is saying, okay, now, hey, I need you to go from here to here. And it's easy in that moment to say, you know what, God, I think I'm good. Look what I've done for you. But you've got to understand that sometimes when you're, when you're saying yes in obedience, I'm sure in this moment she felt like she was going backwards and not forward in her calling and not forward in her purpose and not forward in the plan of God. And I think about for us, many times there are times where we said yes and the yes feels like we're moving backwards, not forward. And so here's the thing I want you to set up for you in this first point is that obedience won't always feel like you're moving forward. Your yes to God doesn't always feel like you're moving forward. This is why we have to be really careful on our feelings. Because feelings can lie to you. They can make you feel like you're going backwards against God when in all actuality, you're actually moving with God. And here we see this. A, A yes to God requires more than what you might realize. See, yes is the door for more. That's what you need to understand. Everybody wants more, but they don't want to say yes to the door. God, I want more, I want more, but when are you going to say yes to the door? When are you going to be obedient with what he's already giving you? Yes is the door to more. Whenever you ask God and God asks of you and you say yes, guess what he's doing? He's saying, okay, that person, I can give them another door because they keep saying yes. And they keep opening it up and because they trust me, and so I'm giving them more. More responsibility. And sometimes we don't want that responsibility, so we say no. See, obedience will always lead to another opportunity to have to be obedient. I think sometimes we get in our minds, it's like, if I'm obedient here, God's going to take care of me, and I'm going to be okay. No, obedience is always going to lead you to another level of obedience. God is building that character in you, and he's building the strength of faith in you to begin to believe that God is able that when you're obedient in one area, God asks the person that's been consistent, and he says, hey, can you do that again? Can you go here for me? And in that moment, this is an opportunity for God to sh- to, for you to show God, I'm willing to go wherever you, wherever you trust me, God, I'm willing to go. A difficult yes doesn't provide an easy journey. A difficult, sometimes it's like it's so hard to say yes to God, we assume because of how hard it was, the journey's going to be easy. I mean, this woman's carrying the Messiah, and it's easy in that moment to be like, okay, man, that was a hard yes. That was a hard yes to say, I'm going to move from my family, or I'm going to take on this job, or I'm going to take on this calling, or I'm going to go here. That was a hard yes. And so we assume that, okay, now the journey will get easy because that was hard. Right? And many of you have said a hard yes, and you thought, oh, man, now God's going to take care of me, and the challenge got harder. The plan of God became more difficult. I thought this was going to be a little bit easier than it was. Where in scripture do you ever find that it gets easier? Let me just tell you this. The only promise that God gives you is easy is on the other side of eternity. Everything will be difficult and challenging and it will be difficult to do certain things until you step onto the other side of eternity and that's where it gets easy. That's where it gets comfortable. That's where you can actually begin to say yes and it be a little bit more predictable. But on this side of eternity, yes, is always going to lead you to another yes that's going to possibly be more difficult. So here in, in verse 4 and 5, we've read this, but I want to really emphasize on this part. It says, and, just, and because uh, Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiance, who was now obviously pregnant. Can you imagine putting yourself in this situation and saying, "Okay, God, we said yes to you," and now, God, you would think that God would be like, "You, just about like, hey, you know, God, let's have a chat." You know, we're carrying the um, the Messiah, your son, for you, and um, we're doing this because you asked us. It was your plan. It was your idea, and uh, you know, I'm just wondering, since you kind of have, you know, you can pull strings, and you can make things happen. Uh, there's a census happening, in case you didn't know. And they're asking us to leave uh, Nazareth. And it's in, it's in Bethlehem. That's quite a ways away. Didn't know if you knew that either. And I was just wondering, since we're carrying the Messiah, and my wife is really pregnant, if we could just go ahead and hang out. And you could just kind of work in your favor in and uh, kind of give us a pass on this one, make sure we don't get in trouble. And I'm just saying, if I'm, if I'm Joseph... I'm going to have a chat with God and be like, hey, I'm doing something for you. Can you do something for me? Because you, you ever met a pregnant woman? they hungry. They eat weird stuff. They're hurting. She's got cankles. She's moody. She's real moody. She's extra moody. And they're asking me to travel from Nazareth Bethlehem. And that's quite a ways to be with a woman with cankles that's hungry, that's moody, that's really moody, that's really bad moody. Can you work out something for me? Right, how many of y'all have been in that situation where you've said yes to God and you know if you could, God, if you could hear me, can you pull a string or two for me? And isn't it crazy that in this situation, God doesn't say, you know what, Joseph, man, you were right. You are doing something that's pretty significant for the world, I think I'll go ahead and talk to them and I'll just persuade them not to do the census or I'll just, you just go ahead and take, take, take time to hang out in Nazareth. I'll take care of them in, in, in Bethlehem. He doesn't do anything. He says, no, you need to go. This census just automatically just happens to happen. And how many of y'all have ever said yes to God and it was good, but then that yes created an inconvenience in your life? created another frustration, a problem, because you said yes. That's what we're dealing with right now. In this situation, Joseph's yes and Mary's yes has now created a bigger significant problem because now they've got to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem because of this census. Here's what I want you to understand. What seems in your life and just like in their life like an inconvenience is God's intervention. See, what you don't understand in your own life is actually what seems like an inconvenience and you're frustrated and you're irritated is actually God intervening in your life. And here's the thing, is that it will never seem like an intervention if you don't understand the ways and the will of God. It will always seem like an inconvenience. Oh my gosh, now I, mean, I said yes to here. God, you would think you would step in and interject and you would be able to be on our side and help us not have to do this and make all these trips... But yet, it seems like an inconvenience, but it's an intervention. And there are things in your life that may seem like an inconvenience right now, but God is trying to work something out. God is trying to do something in your life, and you don't fully understand it, but you just got to get to the place where you know God is good. Anything that God does is always for my behalf. It's always for my better. It's always something that he's doing in me for me. And you've got to understand that if it's an inconvenience, it's not necessarily an inconvenience, it's an intervention. And I was thinking about this story, and then I went to my own story, and I was looking at my life, and I remember I started working for this with this church, and I was helping them. I was just in youth, and they were they had a youth ministry. I was helping them in this youth ministry. I wasn't getting paid. I was just volunteered. And I would tear down lights, and I would set up lights every week for youth. And I remember doing this, and I started falling in love with youth ministry and had no intentions ever to be in ministry. I never would have thought to be a public speaker, speak in front of people. Dear Lord, save me from that. But I remember God stirring my heart. And I finally got to the point where I was like, okay, God, I know, I know this is what I'm feeling. I'm feeling called to youth ministry. This is what I'm gonna do for my life, with my life. But the thing is, is I didn't know how it was gonna happen so I was working for this marketing firm at the time. And I was 21, 22 at the time. And I don't know if you all know this thing called Walmart. And they have this thing called shareholders. Well, every year, shareholders happens. Well, this marketing company does things for different companies at Walmart. And so I was asked to work at the Bentonville store. You're going to run Gillette or something like that. And so I was working for the Gillette company there. I was doing their marketing and stuff for them. I was supposed to go to Bentonville while well, all on my way from home to work. I get a call and they say, hey, we we needed you, something happened with one of the other employees. We need you to go to Fayetteville. I'm like, Fayetteville, what? I mean, back in the day, like Fayetteville was a different world. And I was like, does Fayetteville even exist? And I remember going to Fayetteville and I worked this this um, this job at Walmart for the shareholders event. And at lunchtime, I took lunch and I went to to do this break to get to get food and I'm over there and I'm hanging out and I'm you know just walking around this little area that's got food and I'm grabbing something and I run across some people that I know from another church that he was a youth pastor and now we're sitting there chatting and we're talking and he's like hey he's like what are you doing now I say man I'm working here but I'm really feeling called to youth ministry so I think I'm going to probably start pursuing that he's like really he's like I actually just started a church and he's like we need a youth pastor. I was like, okay, cool. I didn't really think much of it yet. He calls me back. He's like, hey, man, I want, I want to have a talk with you about you being our youth pastor. And that moment led to this moment. What was an inconvenience for me to go from Bentonville to a different world called Fayetteville and to be inconvenienced and to have to spend more gas money, more time, not get paid anymore, was an inconvenience in one setting But on the other side of that inconvenience was an intervention of God stepping in and allowing my calling to actually come into flourishing. All over an interruption, all over an inconvenience on my half, God was stepping in and saying, hey, no, I've got something significant for you. If you will allow yourself to be inconvenienced, I will come in and intervene in your life. And I want you to know that some of y'all have been wrestling and fighting the inconvenience in your life, and you've been trying to look at God like, God, you know you need to fix this, and God is saying, no, no, you need to get on board so I can intervene in your life, so I can do the thing that I've been wanting to do the whole time. And I want you to understand this morning that that many times in life you feel like God is moving you farther away from your destination than you are closer. I mean, there are times in life where you feel like you were farther away from the very thing that you were in pursuit of than you are closer well, I didn't know I was going to have this many kids. I didn't know I was going to be married here. I didn't know I'd be going through this. I didn't know I'd be dealing with this. And it seems like we're farther away than we are closer. Like in that moment, it's hard to keep moving in obedience to God when you're feeling like you're getting further away from God. But in this moment, this is what's happening, is they don't understand why the census is happening at this time. Why couldn't it have happened nine months before this? Why couldn't it happen nine months after this? Why did it have to happen now? Understand that if there's an inconvenience in your life and it's something that you know that the Lord is behind you, better just know there's a reason behind it. There's a reason for it. If you are willing to be inconvenienced by God, you make space for him to intervene in your life. See, most of us, we don't make space. We don't give God any space. In that moment, I could have gotten frustrated. I could have said, you know what? You can find somebody else to go to Fayetteville if it even exists. And you can have them work that event. I could have gotten frustrated, but in that me saying, okay, I'm willing to be inconvenienced in that small trip, I made space for my calling and my purpose. That's scary. When you think about that, what you make space for, you, make God, you give God the time and the space and availability to be able to do things in your life. But some of y'all are frustrated that God hasn't done anything in your life in a while, but it's because you've been looking at everything as an inconvenience instead of an intervention, and God's stepping in in your world. God's stepping in to do something different in your life. Look, if God is interrupting you, if God is inconveniencing you, it's not to annoy you. It's to advise you. Whatever God, if God is doing something in your life, it is not to annoy you. God is not, there's nowhere in scripture where he's like, let me annoy this guy. Let me annoy this girl and see if, what they do. Like, There's always a plan that God has that we may not fully see or understand. And you have to be willing to say, okay, God, I'm willing to let you advise me in this moment. Now, to fully understand why this is all happening, what seems like an inconvenience is actually it's an intervention. How do we know that? Well, I'm about to show you that. I'm glad you asked. Matthew chapter 2. Verse 13, it says this. It says, after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. So this is right after they're in Bethlehem. They've just had the baby, okay? We're maybe talking four, five, six months maybe within this span. And this is what happens. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. Flee to Egypt with the child and his mother. The angel said, stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary. That night, Joseph left for Egypt. That night. Some of us, we wait for four weeks. For seven years. For 20 years. Joseph left that night He said that night he left, and he stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. It's all starting to make sense now, isn't it? So God has them in Nazareth, which is for us, if you need a map, I'm going to show you for all of you that are directionally challenged like my wonderful wife. North is up. South is, I'm just kidding. She's, she's getting so much better. All right, so we've got Nazareth over here, right? Okay, this is where his hometown is, where he hangs out. This is where he does life. This is where they do life. This is where the Holy Spirit met her to get pregnant, right? So here it is. Galilee is here. I mean, Bethlehem is here. It's over to our right. Nazareth, I'm frustrated because i got to do a census. Galilee, I mean, Bethlehem. I don't know why you brought me here. I'm so frustrated, God. I don't know why you made me do this. I don't know why you had me. Point two. To now, Egypt, you need to get your tail to Egypt. Okay, Egypt, boom. Do you see all the time that he saved them? What I want you to understand is this, is that the provision of God is provided in obedience to God. That oftentimes the very thing that God's wanting to give you doesn't make sense until you're on the other side of it. That while he is having, they're saying yes in Nazareth, now they're moving and they're traveling to Bethlehem and it's like really the census, that's really what, this is ridiculous. I got a pregnant wife, boom, to the degree that they have a baby in Bethlehem. That's how far along she is. To now, oh, well I'm only a day away from Egypt. I would have been five days, six days, seven days away from Egypt. That matters when someone's chasing you to kill you, (laughs) right? That matters when you need to be rescued. And some of y'all have been looking at God and you've been frustrated that he has moved you from here to here to here. But it's been the whole point has been to provide for you. And some of y'all are mad and frustrated at God. And you, are, you have been saying, God, I said yes. I thought that was enough. Yes still requires yes. S- yes still requires yes. There. Just because you said yes in one season doesn't mean another yes is not going to be required in the next season. I mean, it's easy for Mary to be like on her way from Nazareth down to, down to Bethlehem. Look, all I've been doing is saying Yes. I've been saying yes to this and yes to this. and yes. It is easy to get to the place in life where, God, all I do is say yes to you. And out of that becomes frustration until you understand that God is always providing out of a yes. That out of that yes, God is wanting to do something more in your life. And whether you are 12 years old or you are 75 years old or 95 years old, God is going to, if you're willing, he's going to have to ask you something. And you're going to have to be willing to say yes. Because on the other side of yes is provision. It didn't make sense from Nazareth to Bethlehem until that that dream that he wakes up and says, you need to get to Egypt. Like, oh my gosh, that's why you've been moving us here. See, the provision of God makes sense on the other side of obedience, not before it. I mean, they're sitting in in Bethlehem having the baby and they've been sitting there for one, two months, like really, I wanna get back to my house in Nazareth. But all of a sudden something happens and boom, You need to get to Egypt. See, your obedience to God rises and falls at the level of your trust in him. Let's be honest in here today. You are not any more obedient to God than you trust him. You would like to be maybe more obedient, but your ability to trust God determines your level of obedience always. Do you know how you increase your level of of trust by being obedient? That's the problem. So your trust never increases unless your obedience does. And then obedience, you realize, okay, God is faithful, and then you can trust him more, and then God is faithful, and then you can trust him more, and then God is faithful. Obedience always shows you another level of trust in God, and trust in God always shows you another level of obedience you're going to have to have. We all want to walk on, flooring, on floors and not expect the next ceiling. But you got to get, to get to the next ceiling, you've got to go through another floor. Right? Like, I mean, let's be honest. Okay, if I want up here, I want up there so bad, God. Well, guess what it's requiring? Trust, obedience. Trust, obedience. And we all want to just like, you know, float to the top. And it to be easy, but you know what they had to do? They had to say yes when no one else was willing to say yes to a, a virginless—I mean, a virgin pregnancy. To a, I don't know why you're calling us to down to to Bethlehem, where it's a city of Decatur. If you live there, I'm, I apologize. But like, let's be honest—like, there's just not much there. You could go through there and not really miss anything. That's what Bethlehem was. It was this small little city that. It was very, very few people lived there. But it was significant in the fact of what would provide for them in their lives. Proverbs 3.5 says this. I thought this was really, really appropriate for this story and for our lives. If we're going to say yes and continue to live with yes in our hearts and in our mouths, because how many of y'all know you can say yes with your mouth and not with your heart? Y'all know that you've told lots of people I love you. Nah. You don't love them, you just said it. It was never in your heart. Proverbs 3:5 says this. It says trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge God in all your ways and he will direct your path. How do you get to that path? If you reverse engineer this, you get to that path by trusting God with all of your heart. So the direction that you wanna have confirmation in requires you to say yes and trust in God when it doesn't look easy. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. How many of y'all know we want understanding so many times? I need to understand God, how come you're sending us from Nazareth to Bethlehem? I need to know, like you need to give me a, the census thing, I ain't doing that. Like so many of us, we need so much understanding where it doesn't require faith. It doesn't require anything out of us trusting God. And God doesn't roll that way. Provision can be misunderstood. Right, The way that God provides can be misunderstood until you get to the other side of obedience. When they got to Egypt and they heard that all the babies in Bethlehem, two and under male, were dead, it made a whole lot more sense of his provision. And provision, sometimes it doesn't make sense of what God is providing until you get on the other side of his Yes. We all want to be like, God, I need need some understanding. I need some clarification. I need some certainty over here. And until you give me that, it may be too late. If they were like, no, we're going to hang out in uh, Bethlehem. We'll see if Herod uh, does anything. Like his provision was being provided for from the moment that they said yes to him in Nazareth. saying yes to a baby. And God has been providing for you from the moment that he designed and created you in your mother's womb in psalms 139 that he knit you together in your mother's womb in the darkness of night and he's been providing for you and your yes will only expose the level of provision that god's been wanting to give you the whole time trust in god opens new levels of faith and confidence you want new level of self confidence, you got to say yes when it's not easy. It's just like a relationship. I've become very confident in my relationship with my wife because I've said yes to her when I was vulnerable. When there was moments I had to say yes in that and that's what built my confidence in her. Somebody could say something I'm like, "Oh no, that's not my wife." And then there's other things I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's my wife." I because I have confidence in knowing who she is, but it's been through a lot of yeses and experiences and opportunities. I didn't trust her when I said I do at the level I trust her now. Isn't that crazy? I said I do to a woman that I trust more now than I did then. Why? Because of constant yeses and constant opportunities to have this. I have to put my faith in this. I have to put my faith in this. I have to put my faith in this. Trusting God, it opens up these these new levels of faith and confidence that you will need in the next season of your life. See, this is what was happening over this course of this 10 months of pregnancy. What God was doing was le- raising the level of confidence in Joseph and Mary. So that when this was asked, okay, yeah, God, you're faithful. Okay, boom, move here, boom here, move here. Guess what happens? They are going to be raising this son. And they had to trust whatever God was trying to give them. And God is trying to do things, the same thing in your life. You may not be carrying the Messiah, but you are carrying a purpose. You are carrying a calling. And let me just tell you this, Herod wanted it in infancy before, before it recognized what it was. And I want you to know this morning that God, want, the enemy, wants your purpose and your calling in infancy before you understand what it is. I just think about when, when, when I was in that situation telling you the story about me having to go to Fayetteville, I could have easily, God said, you know, I don't really want to go today. I'm going to call in sick. I don't want to do this. And in that, the devil would have loved that. Because it could have created an opportunity for something that is in infancy that I did not know the level of gifting that I had and what God was calling me into could have easily been aborted in that moment and some of you all have, have, have allowed the enemy to search out you and to try to convince you that you don't have what you have and if he can get it in, if he can get it in its infancy then it's a lot easier to let it go So why do we don't abort babies after the fact we abort babies before because we don't want we don't see the full potential in them once you saw the potential in them, you would have never have done that that's the reality because the enemy wants to destroy what is in infancy he doesn't say oh we'll let, we'll let jesus get up to being in five or six and we'll search for him no he wants that baby before that baby recognizes he's the king that's going to redeem the world it's the same thing for you this morning. That there are things and giftings and callings on the inside of you. And God has been saying, hey, in Nazareth, will you do this? Hey, will you go to Bethlehem? Hey, will you got to move to Egypt now. And it, is a, it has been a life of yes. And you may be frustrated and irritated because it has been a life of yes. And I am not seeing what I thought I would see. But I want you to know that there is provision on the other side of yes. That God has got something for you on the other side of a yes. But it's on the other side of yes. Not on this side, on that side. The side you can't see. You can stand with me as we close. Look, trust will require you to move in directions in your life you aren't comfortable going in. I mean, I can look at my life and see where I'm at today, and my life has been nothing but uncomfortable. Just so you all know, and I've said this before, but in high school when I had to do oral communications, the only reason I passed oral communications, which is talking in front of people, is because of the written essays. Because me, I ain't getting in front of people and talking. I'll talk to a group and friends or whatever, but I ain't talking in public, and now I stand here on a weekly basis doing this. I say that because I want you to understand it. to get where I was, to get to where I am today was not comfortable and where you were called and where you were going in your life and your calling is not going to be comfortable and if you're saying no because of uncomfortableness I just want you to know you're robbing yourself of some of the greatest opportunities to see a God do the miracles that he said he could do and provide and be the provision that he wants to be in your life but yes is required provision of your future is in your ability to trust him now. Many of you came in this place questioning God. Maybe not really convinced that God's taking care of you, that he hears you, that he's with you, that he's for you. And I'm sure moments like that were felt with Joseph and Mary as they're traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem being like, really, God? Like, do you understand what we're doing for you? Could you not interject here? Could you not intervene here? You know what God did? He said, you know, he just had to say, you know what, trust me. It's like our kids, right? You know, when you're really for your kids and they're asking you something and they don't fully understand it, what do you do? Trust me. And you leave it up to them. They have to, in that moment, trust that you're a good father or a good mom. And just like, the same thing, you're going to have to trust that your God, that your Father is a good Father, that He is He is providing for you when it doesn't seem like it. And here's the thing I want to talk about. I want to pray about. I want to give you an opportunity because I think many of you, you've said yes, but you're at the point where now yes ain't coming out of your mouth anymore. I'm done saying yes. I've been. I've been saying yes and ain't nothing moving in the direction I thought it would. Well, guess what? It's what you thought it would. It's what you thought. But you give God a chance to work out things in your life and in your situation and in your circumstances. You give God a chance. Stop saying no. Start saying yes. And watch what God can do. God is the God of miracles when people say yes. Not when they say no. God is the God of provision when you say yes, not no. And I just sense in the room that there have been people who pushed their hand up to say, hey, will you go to Bethlehem? Nope. Do you understand? Look at my belly. I'm a pregnant woman. I'm not going there. I did not even think this is... Was... God, do you even love me? The fact that you would ask me to go there... What I want to ask is that today you would understand and you'd be convinced that God is the God of your provision. That you would say yes to the next season, the next phase of your life. But God, I don't want to go, but God, I don't know. Come on, saying yes will be the hardest thing you say. But on the other side of it, there's provision. And if that's you this morning, you say, that's me, man. I've been, I've been telling God, no, I've been, fighting this, I've been fighting this thing. But God, it's time for me to give you my yes. God, it's time for me to move and go where you're asking me to go. if that's you, I want to ask if you just slip your hand up real quick. I just want to know who you are. I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you for hands all over. Thank you for hands. Father, you see every hand raised. Father God, it is you that would soften our hearts. It is you that will put confidence in our spirits to say yes. God, it is you that will make us courageous to go where we've been unwilling to go. So Father, I thank you right now, God, that you would put in the people within this room. God, that they have pushed off the yes. God, I pray right now that you give them the strength to say yes. That you would give them the the grace and the mercy required to travel where you're calling them to travel, to go where you're calling them to go. Father, I thank you right now, God, for your Spirit, reviving them, opening their eyes to the provision and the protection and the plan of God, bigger than it is that you than that they maybe they fully see. God, I'm sure Dave, I'm sure that Joseph and Mary didn't see the fullness of what they said yes to until the cross. But in that moment, I'm sure their whole life was a ref, reflection back to that one moment saying yes. And God, I know that people may hear and they don't see the significance of their yes 10 years ago, five years ago, seven years ago, but God, I thank you right now for the significance of what that yes is going to do. God, that there are lives, that there are people, that there are families, that there are generations, that there are legacies waiting in the brink of a yes. So God, I thank you right now, God, for what you're doing. That kids will say thank you, that grandkids will say thank you. That co-workers will say thank you. That friends will say thank you because you said yes. So Father, I thank you right now, God, for the strength to say yes. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we declare amen. This morning, if you've never given your life or your heart to Jesus and you say that's me. I've been living the life that I wanted to live. I've been going where I want to go doing what I want to do but I realize today that sin has been leading me and guiding me today is the day that I give my life and my heart to Jesus That I need you as my savior I need my sins to be forgiven and I need you to be my Lord that will lead and guide my life if that's you this morning you say that's me I need to give my life and my heart to Jesus I need to commit my life and my my heart to Jesus this morning If that's you, if you would just slip your hand up real quick just so I can know who you are and be praying for you this week. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else this morning? Thank you for that hand. Amen. If you would pray this prayer with me, dear Heavenly Father, I admit I'm a sinner, but I believe you, Jesus, died on the cross for those sins that you rose again on the third day to be my Lord my Savior. I ask you, Jesus, reveal the destiny and the purpose you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can we give them a hand this morning? Greatest decision you'll ever make.